Andrea K, bringing the world a much needed reality check. You're listening to the Andrea K show on the Answer San Diego. Tonight's Andrea Case in this Taco Tuesday. All right, so we already all know, right, that the these lawsuits against President Trump, the raid of Mar-a-Lago, the documents case, the Alvin Bragg case in New York, the Letitia James fraud case in New York, the RICO case in Georgia, and the Jan 6 case in D.C., all against Trump, are, are really ultimately about electioneering. That's really what it's about. They couldn't stop him in 2016. They couldn't remove him from office with the various coup attempts, and they couldn't stop him from running with their sham Jan 6 committee, all that nonsense. So now they're trying to do it through the courts. One of the things that I'm not an attorney. So of course I had to reach out to the smartest one that I know. Also famed political commentator and author Tom DeBocaro to come on and help us understand what this latest move has been between uh, special counsel, Jack Smith and the Supreme court who at least according to my interpretation has enabled the weaponization of the Department of Justice and Tom DeBocaro joins me now. Hey Tom, thanks for being here. Great to be on, thank you. So let me try to give my layman's understanding of the situation and you can correct me where I'm wrong and help myself and others understand what's going on here. So when uh, President Trump was Trump was charged with these the Jan six case about which is about uh, you know what happened on Jan six, he was not charged with conspiracy or sedition, but he was charged with a bunch of other nonsense. One of his his arguments on the defense is that he has presidential immunity, so he has filed that as part of his defense. And typically, what happens in that case is there's a lot of legal stuff that has to go back and forth in order to settle the issue of immunity, none of which, if it followed the normal legal course of action, would be resolved in time for Jack Smith to hold his trial against Trump beginning on March 5th. So he has jumped over the appellate court, went to the Supreme Court to ask them to help him expedite, um, to basically ask them to rule on the immunity situation They didn't go that far as to rule on immunity, but they did ask the Trump defense to respond in an expedited manner to Jack Smith by December 20th. Did I get that right? And also, is it not him? Is this not blatant electioneering? Because the only reason why he has to have that trial on March 5th is in order to affect the outcome of the election. Well, of course, it's this whole thing is blatant electioneering. Every one of them are. All four. Now, Trump is using an array of defenses, which, frankly, no one has ever had to use because the charges against him have never been brought against anyone. And Jack Smith is stretching the law like uh, like taffy. So, it is important for Trump early in the case 
to set a record for ultimate appeal. And so what they have done with regard to immunity is set a hearing on a defense which could potentially result in the Supreme Court throwing the case out. What I think is more likely to happen is that the Supreme Court's going to say that that a president has some right to contest or state things in the context of election. And here are the rules that we believe apply to this situation. The in other in but in other words, that would be rewarded Smith, who is only reason why he's going and this is this from Jonathan Turley, uh, George Washington uh, University law professor. Well known, he said, "Quote: The Supreme Court may not view a trial of Trump during the campaign to be as motivating or urgent as does Jack Smith. This is a novel legal argument that the court would ordinarily prefer to hear the views from the appellate judges." So he went on to say, "The only reason for this petition is to seek to guarantee a trial of Trump before the election. So the Supreme Court should not even be stepping in at this point. They should have told Jack Smith. Am I wrong? They should have told Jack Smith." You know, we need to hear from the appellate court. Why are you coming to us now? Shouldn't they? And the answer is that there are two elements here. There is, does this law exist? And what facts would apply to it? So they could do one of three things. They could say he has a blanket immunity. Two, they have qualified immunity, or they have no immunity whatsoever. And then we would know if, uh, if, the, if the case has to go forward, because it could well be that the court could say there's no way he can bring this. I don't think they'll do that. I think they will say that in limited context, a president does have some um, immunity, although they might not even use that word. And then what would happen is there would be a trial according to the rules the Supreme Court states and says, basically, of course a president can question the process of an election, but if he goes too far and they say that he's acting beyond his course and scope of his duties as president, that he would not have immunity for that instance. That may be what they do. The worst thing would be if they said, no, a president has no immunity, which means he would have no right to advocate on behalf of the electorate that things are going wrong. All right. Um. So I, I, I get where Jonathan Turley's coming from. He, he, normal process is jury instruction, findings of fact, and then you appeal. But we don't live in normal time. 
Well, we clearly don't because, you know, I'm incredibly disappointed in this supposedly conservative court that has rewarded Jack Smith with this. And and let's move on to the impeachment situation um, because sure. – uh, because they, the Republican Party, the House Oversight, has put out, we're talking to Tom DeBacaro, uh famed attorney, author of the book Divided Era, former senatorial uh, candidate against Kamala Harris. Um, so the House has put out on, you guys need to read the thread on uh, X, if you're on X, or just Google it. They put out all of the evidence that they have found so far. And there's uh, even conservatives that were originally questioning why they waited. Were they just dragging their feet? Were they not, you know, just being bold enough? Why aren't they just going with articles of impeachment? Like James Woods, who I follow on Twitter, uh, you know, the the outlying, uh, the way they outline the evidence today supports Speaker Johnson actually saying that we're, and I've got a clip that I want to play for you and get your response. Here is Speaker Johnson in advance of the impeachment vote uh, saying we're not making a political decision. It's a legal one. Sesame, if you can play the clip. It's a heavy authority that's given to the House, specifically to the House. That's where the the power lies. And next to the declaration of war, you've all heard me say many times, I think it may be the heaviest power that we have. It's very, very serious business. It has to be conducted in that way. The impeachment inquiry is necessary now, as as Whip Emmer just explained, because we've come to this impasse where following the facts where they lead, is hitting a stone wall because the White House is impeding that investigation now. They're not allowing witnesses to come forward and thousands of pages of documents. So we have no choice to fulfill our constitutional responsibility. We have to take the next step. We're not making a political decision. It's not. It's a legal decision. Do you agree or do you think they should have gone straight to articles of impeachment? I don't think they should have gone straight to articles of impeachment. Two minutes. Uh, Tom McClintock who is a constitutionalist, has taken the position that the Democrats completely unconstitutionally abuse the impeachment process. So what the Republicans have been doing is building the documentary case. And now the next step that they're taking is going positioning themselves so that when they have to go to court to get these documents that the Bidens are refusing, they have an incredible factual record. They will have voted on the impeachment inquiry status. And the courts will say, in my view, given that they have declared this status and they have all this documentation, meaning they didn't just in a partisan fashion do this, but they were deliberate, that therefore the White House cannot refuse to give them the documentation. At least that's the theory of what they're doing. I understand it as a lawyer, and I'm hopeful by the time it gets to the Supreme Court on an expedited process that they will agree with that. Well, I also think what it does from a strategy standpoint is within the Republican Party, we, you know, nine, what was it, eight or nine Republicans refused to impeach Department of Homeland Security Mayorkas, who is literally enabling an invasion, including terrorists across our southern border. That's what we're dealing with here. 
And if they had gone straight to articles of impeachment, you know, half the Republicans would have refused to vote for it. So what he's doing is he's they're also boxing in any Republicans who might be thinking that they're not going to vote. And unfortunately, that's the situation that we're in. And if you go and you read that thread that the House Oversight Committee has put forth, the documentation of the $24 million, the shell companies, uh, the fact that the company, the, it, just all the details, that are, uh, the, the, the actual bank records that show directly from the companies into Joe Biden's bank account. The 34,000 emails of him with the alias, Robert, whatever his name was. I mean, the evidence already is absolutely extraordinary. Tomorrow is supposed to be the Hunter Biden deposition. I doubt he's going to show. Do you expect him to? Well, he is in Washington, D.C., which kind of surprised me. So at the very least, you're going to get a contempt charge. but And that will give more fuel to their process of voting on an impeachment inquiry, and those recalcitrant Republicans, which annoy the hell out of you and many others, will be handed the reason or the or the tool to step forward with this next step. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I know I'm going to be paying attention tomorrow. Tom DeBacaro, thank you for being here, my friend. All right. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. We'd appreciate it. All right. You guys know who the Dirty 51 is? Remember the Dirty 51? We're going to talk about that when we come back. If you don't know who they are, give it a quick Google. No, you don't need to do that. You just need to stay listening to AK. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Even a little country there. Yeah, I actually have a pair of country uh, western boots. Uh, don't wear them that often. Uh, you don't see a whole lot of people r- walking around San Diego, a lot of women anyway, <laughs> uh, rocking the cowboy boots. Uh, glad to have you guys here with me, especially not on Taco Tuesday, right? Glad to have you guys here with me. So much breaking news to uh, share with you guys tonight. Uh, sit back, buckle up, get ready to roll my babies. If you miss any part of the t- of tonight's show, don't forget to pot the podcast. Download it wherever you get your pods. Email me at andreakshow.com, andreakshow.com. I do read all y'all's emails. I don't necessarily get to respond to them all or read them all, but I do love hearing from you guys. It actually is very helpful to me as we prep for the show. All right. Um, speaking of show prep, and my I got my sidekick with me every night. He's the, he, he's not my Tonto. He's the Robin to my Batman. He's the Joel to my Ethan. Know that reference? Hmm. Think, uh, think of the movie Fargo. He's the uh, Donnie to my Marie. It is the one and only DJ Sesame Broccolini. I love me some Broccolini. This guy, fiery like a dragon, like a dungeon dragon, high heat. Sesame Broccolini. There's only one person on earth who could ever get away with putting ham and cheese in a tortilla and calling it a taco. AK, that is you. 
<laughs> Special exception. Thank you. I actually thought it was quite ingenious. I mean, you can put ham, you can put ham and cheese in a burrito. Why can't you put it in a taco? I mean, what's with the ta- what's with the purity here? With I've, I've just never seen it done before. So the vision here, AK, truly <laughs> remarkable. Um, and listen, I mean, somebody thought of putting putting a piece of fish in a taco. To me, that's crazier than than a piece of ham. I'll just leave it at that. Speaking of pork and ham. Um, we got to talk about a, a bad presentation uh, happening at the White House today, and that involves uh, the ham that came to town. Uh, uh, Vladimir Zelensky uh, came to town asking for some more money. Unfortunately for us Republicans, he was given a warm reception by House Speaker Mike Johnson whose only ask is, uh, who said, you know, I'm here to, oh, we had a great meeting today. Uh, I'm just bummed that the Biden administration doesn't have a clear path um, for oversight of the money. Um, Say what? Did somebody overindulge in some crawfish tacos today? Because how in the world could any Republican actually think that oversight is possible, given that Ukraine is the second most corrupt country in the world and they have been bilking us and using us uh, already uh, documented the fraud that's taken place with the money laundering scheme. However, uh, the show continues The money laundering scheme continues to the point to where it's so brazen that I want to play a clip for you guys of Zelensky himself bragging about how well the Ukraine's economy is going. Sesame, if you can play that clip. Yesterday, I met with the IMF and World Bank, and they impressed with the Ukraine's economic growth, almost 5%. And that's significant. Ukraine is gradually becoming less dependent on aid. And we are moving to the right, I think, right direction. And I want to discuss with the president how, how to strengthen it. Um, I thought this was about, as Speaker Johnson said, about a fight for democracy. Sounds to me like this guy is going, he's going to the IMF, he's going to the World Bank, he's impressing everybody with their economic growth, which is at 5%. Our economy is about looking at like it's about to hit a depression here. We're not at 5% growth. Do you see what's going on here? We're treating Ukraine like it's another state that we're propping up economically. We already know that our money is going to farmers over there. It's going to small businesses. And he's going around uh, bragging about how, how well they're doing economically. And pretty soon they won't need any more economic aid. I thought this was supposed to be about democracy. It's not. This is about an income redistribution scheme. But according to Joe Biden, good news, America. Uh, if we continue to partner with Ukraine, um, it, it's going to help us fix our Broken border here. Once, uh, uh, what? Sesame, if you can play this clip. We also need Ukraine to make changes to fix the broken immigration system here. We also need Congress to make the changes to fix the broken immigration system here at home. What? Does he actually think Ukraine is a state? Does he think Texas is Ukraine? <laughs> I mean, for real, how is Ukraine going to help fix our broken immigration system? And our system isn't broken. What's broken is that we're not applying the law. What's broken is we've got a, a government that's allowing for an invasion. That's absolute insanity. 
But here's what Biden's plan is. Here's, uh, as he tells uh, the press to shut up, uh, here's uh, the amount of money he decided to give Zelensky to prop up his economy. Uh, Sesame. Which clip would this be? First clip in the stack. Okay, it is that one. Okay, all right. Thank you very much, Mr. up a second, okay? Got one more thing to say. I've just signed another $200 million drawdown for the Department of Defense for Ukraine, and that'll be coming quickly. Thank you. They're always accusing Trump of acting like a dictator. Is that not a dictator telling the press to shut up? And then right before he announces another $200 million to Ukraine? If that doesn't tick you off, nothing will. Zelensky's not even hiding the fact that this isn't about the military. This is about just us giving money to a corrupt dictator. As we talked about last night with Dr. Shea Bradley uh, Farrell, he, he, he's canceled elections, shut down media, canceled the opposition parties, allegedly, reportedly having his enemies killed. That's who you just gave. That's who the taxpayers just gave $200 million for. Anything you want to add, Sesame Broccolini, before we wrap this segment? Yeah, look, America's not a democracy. It wasn't supposed to be. Ukraine's also not a democracy. So we can stop with all the, the pious platitudes about standing up to Vladimir Putin and standing for some, you know, people-centered republic that's just like us, right, and based on the same values and has all the same institutions and trappings, like a free press and a great economy, right? It's just it's disturbing. But here's the thing for me. I think that... This administration is treasonous because while this was happening, this these meetings today with Zelensky on uh, um, in Capitol Hill, we had troves and troves of, or I guess droves of people stor- marching through the southern border um, in places like Arizona and Texas. Our our border is being stormed every single day. We have tens of thousands of people coming every single every single week, including today. We had another, you know. I guess not a full-scale caravan, but as Biden is sitting here talking about Ukraine and fighting for their territorial sovereignty, blah, 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 we are literally losing this country to cultural conquest. We are being replaced. This is nothing short of treason to me, what's going on with Ukraine. Um, And it's no surprise, considering that, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Burisma was bribing Hunter and Joe Biden. A few years later, Biden gets appointed. I don't know if I'd say elected, but appointed president, made president of America. And all of a sudden, he's sending so much cash. Two hundred million doesn't sound like a lot because this government burns through four or five, six trillion dollars in a single year. But that's a lot of money that could go to homeless veterans, that could go to rebuilding our roads, to fixing our schools and hospitals. That's a lot of money that could go a long way for the average American. We are not a priority. We're not, they don't care about us anymore. Right. Or we can stop spending because inflation is Mm -hmm. Americans. Yep. We're going to talk a little bit about that uh, later on in the show, but we're going to take a break. We come back uh, while uh, our government works to cover up the crimes of the Biden family. um, The house has decided to have hold a vote coming up for the impeachment inquiry. We're going to talk about that with Tom Debacar when we come back as well as the weaponization of the DOJ Jack Smith, 
made an appeal to the Supreme Court against Trump in a blatant electioneering effort, and the Supreme Court rewarded him. All that with attorney Tom DePicaro. We come back to Goldman. Dynamite in a dress, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, she's on the answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Who knows who the Dirty Fifty One are? You remember the Dirty 51. These are the 51 alleged intelligence experts, national security officials who all signed a letter uh, declaring back in the day that the Hunter Biden laptop was, quote, Russian disinformation, uh, only to have it all end up being a big fat lie, right? And what they did in doing so was they used their official capacity and the credibility that was afforded to them with their security clearances and their titles uh, to propagate a disinformation campaign on the American people. It was electioneering at its worst because at least, I believe, 14% of Biden voters said they would not have voted for Biden had it not been for the suppression of that story. And yet now, and and I guess those same 51 people, I don't know if the Dirty 51 still have uh, their security clearances, but they were not um, shunned enough by the public, by the government, etc. So now they are back and they have put together another letter and signed their name to it in order to pressure Congress to reauthorize the FISA 702 legislation that was allegedly um, meant to, you know, uh, this is all part of the Patriot Act. You know, um, we're going to, don't worry, Americans, we're not going to spy on you. Just those terrible terrorists. And we know that this is all how the FISA courts were used as well as other methods were used to spy on Americans. And it also led to the counterterrorism efforts to be used against American citizens. And in their letter, part of what they said is we cannot hamstring the U.S. intelligence community. Section 702 saves American lives. Name one. Can you tell me, Sesame Broccolini, what American life they saved through this? All they have done is use this uh, uh, to try to launch a coup attempt against a free and fairly elected American, uh, President Donald Trump. Oh, well, they've done more than that. I, I would argue the FBI has been using this to track down dissidents and in some cases, I mean, frankly, kill them. There was the Utah man that had a, a, an FBI agent show up at his house pre-dawn raid conducted because he yeah. posted memes about Biden. I mean, and he was shot and killed. And this was a disabled veteran who had to, you know, have help being escorted to his local church because he had mobility issues. So the idea that this guy was some clandestine threat to law enforcement is ridiculous. So I, I would go a step further and say they're weaponizing this for horrible ends and it's it's coming with a very the ultimate cost human life it is being used to target people and in all sorts of all sorts of sinister sinister ways it's it's a police state that they're building this is a part of that plan that's what they want right and one of the and one of the things that was so insidious about her uh, crossfire hurricane and the subsequent Russian collusion hoax and uh, Robert Mueller and all of that, as well as the Ukraine whistleblower 
hoax impeachment was that by using the intelligence community, right, they're able to do things outside of normal um, Department of Justice regulations and protocols. They're not subject to the same um, uh, I, I'm, I'm not an attorney, so I'm trying to think of the words, the same like Fourth Amendment uh, uh, rights that we have, uh, the same, they're not, they don't follow the same due process uh, rules and procedures of investigations. They're able to go outside of it. And that's how they were able to violate Trump's and others' Fourth Amendment rights under the guise of this being an intelligence operation. And so that's one of the reasons why they're also then through extension able to, with the FBI and the Department of Justice, change the counterterrorism measures against to weaponize the government against people who speak up at school board meetings, those of us who question the outcome of elections. They were able to then use all these same methods against Jan 6. Uh, defendants. And they're also using that against Trump now through the course of his um, and, and through the course of the lawsuits against Trump. Did I lose you there? No, no, I just thought you were going to keep going for a second. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically what we've done is every area of our law enforcement and as it relates and, and bleeds over into the intelligence community and our military and our Defar Department of Defense is all now weaponized against American and American citizens. That's what's going on here. Yeah. And none of these people should have, none of these people should have their security clearances if they do. None of these people should be allowed to, um, it, you know, uh, be given any credibility. Um, they shouldn't be tied to the government in any way at this point. Every And quite frankly, everybody except for former presidents should no longer have a security clearance once they leave office. If you're not in an official capacity anymore, why do you have a security clearance? Well, and on the, what is that on the taxpayer dime as well? Like we have the money for it. Um, I mean, frankly, it's we need spending cuts everywhere we can. It's just more evidence of waste. But you're completely right here because I think what people need to understand is the concept of lawfare, using the law, the the letter of it to target people. You, you, what what this really what the Democrats are incredible at doing, but also what the deep state really has done so disturbingly well is either rewriting the law or bending it in ways that serve their interests politically, and even if it's not necessarily illegal. It's incredibly unethical and immoral and unconstitutional in the sense that you're using the letter of the law the way it's written to completely go after the spirit of the law, which is about what is right and what is wrong. Every single law that we make is tied to a moral principle, and there's nothing moral about what's going on with the deep state. It's all incredibly self-serving, unconstitutional. It's, I mean, we can talk about the abuses of power because there's so many of them, but at some point I do wonder, what can we do about it? I mean, I don't know what, how, you, how you fight back other than maybe slowly trying to reclaim the institutions, but that's not going to be... I mean, leftists have, have spent decades slowly, gradually overwhelming all of the centers of power in this country, and that's not something that we can just magically undo by waving a wand. Conservatives have been 
asleep for too long. And mm-hmm. now there's a big wake up happening. It's about time. But we have journalists like Matt Taibbi that get investigated for, you know, talking about government abuses of power. Anyone who criticizes the wrong person has a, a pre-dawn raid or somebody comes to their house or they go after your family, your friends, your business associates, your neighbors. Anyway, that that's what they've done with Trump. They've gone after every single person who's ever been close to him just to try to break him. That's what happens in a police state. So we're, we're here. I just don't know how you yeah. combat it or how you get out of it. But that's why I might want to read that book about Hungary overcoming the communist takeover, because that's what's going on right now. We are we are living it here in America, which is very spooky. But we are. Well, one of the things that we can consider doing is what the new Argentinian president, Millet, did I say his name? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Millet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has day one. He cut nine government offices. Nine government offices. Boom. Gone. Promise made. Promise kept. We have no reason for the FBI. We have U.S. Marshals, their duties. Right now, they are literally working to do their whole role is to cover up the crimes of elites and to participate in the tyranny against American citizens. We have no need for that institution at this point. There has not been one American life that's been saved. In fact, every time we have a mass shooting, every time Two we have minutes. a terrorist, terrorist attack, they are known by the FBI who did nothing to stop it. When Russia warned us about the Sarnaya brothers, they ignored it. Ignored it. If you don't re- if and if you want a refresher on that, there's a Netflix documentary about it in which the police captain and the police uh, different people, uh, police uh, officials in the state of Boston talk about how warnings were ignored and what took place and what went on there. Then there was also Pulse nightclub. There was the San Bernardino shootings. There was uh, major Nadal Hassan Parkland school, the the shooting in Uvalde. I mean, everyone, uh, every time, they are hidden, uh, not hidden, they are known to the FBI and to law enforcement. Speaking of institutions that are weaponized against the U.S., let's take a revisit One to minute. Harvard, to Harvard University, because there's actually some news happening. Harvard has issued a, um, a statement about Claudine Gay, uh, the first black CEO uh, or president of Harvard, I think, since the institution. And uh, given the latest uh, accusations of plagiarism, obviously a diversity hire. We're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to update you on that story and finish up the hour here. Don't forget, you can download the, if you miss any part of the show, download the podcast wherever you get your pods. Email me at andrewkshow.com. And stay tuned. Final segment of this hour's Andrew K. Show coming up. Don't go away. You're listening to somebody who tells it like it is. Andrea K. on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Okay, just to catch you guys up on this whole college stuff situation. Okay, so the latest with Harvard is that I think we talked last night about the, the Saturday Night Live skit that was a complete disaster for Saturday Night Live on top of the back, fact of not being funny. I mean, it just completely, where do they think they could have a punchline in college presidents defending uh, the calls for genocide of Jews? But then also there were these allegations, accusations 
of plagiarism against Claudine Gay. And we're, we're not talking, it's not even in question, not even in question. She lifted entire sections of Dr. Carol Swain's book, Black Faces, Black Lives, I think it is. And Carol, Dr. Carol Swain is really angry about that today. She tweeted out today that, uh, that about the double standards and of, of black people in, uh, it, 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 in terms of uh, racism in this country, about how white progressives made Claudine Gay and white pro- pro- uh, progressives are protecting her today because some black people have to work hard and earn it, like Dr. Carol Swain, she said, and other people get it handed to her. Well, oh, Sookie, sookie. uh, People are mad like uh, Simone Sanders of Bernie Sanders campaign, who's mad that anybody would question that Claudine Gay uh, is a diversity hire for Harvard. How can anybody question that she's qualified to be there? Um, Excuse me. Sister friend plagiarized her dissertation. And any other student who had been found to plagiarize her dissertation, if they were in the middle of trying to get their PhD, would have been kicked out, according to Harvard's own standards, would have been kicked out of the graduate school. At this point, she should have her doctorate revoked. It does. It does. It, I mean, is is uh, it Harvard operating on the fact that they think that a qualification to be president of 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 their university is somebody that lied and got a fake dissertation off of other people's work is being a liar a qualification i guess it is according to Simone Sanders and i and in in Simone Sanders and others defending Claudine Gay today as well as Harvard who came out and said that we uh, we stand behind Claudine Gay they're standing behind lying they're standing behind cheating they're standing behind anti-semitism that's what Harvard University is about and it's absolutely despicable your thoughts sesame yeah, well, a couple of different things. Number one, I so agree. Claudine Gay, um, just solely based on integrity and academic standards, should certainly go before some kind of committee and, and certainly should not have her position. She's clearly unfit for the job that she has, but her 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 qualifications are just so shaky and shady and there's been so much lying and there was some maybe it was a harvard person or somebody else who said not all instances of plagiarism are equal and so this is different because it's <laughs> happening in a certain context where she's still a oh, social justice warrior so it's all okay if she doesn't have any integrity <laughs> oh, so it's context right just like calls for genocide mm-hmm. jews it's all about the context by the way Harvard said in their statement today that they did a review. I don't know if you saw the Sesame. Uh, they did a review of the plagiarism accusations, and they didn't find any misconduct. And Ms. Gay <laughs> has offered, she actually suggested that four, uh, four paragraphs be updated. Um, wow, such integrity. Wow, wow, updated, uh-huh. really? Uh-huh. Go to yeah. the Google Doc and just, you know, change out some <laughs> words, make it your own. <laughs> Yeah, it's just yeah. it really is sad, though, because it's clearly this is what happens when you choose DEI over meritocracy. This is what happens. Yes. But I do think people should know this. Harvard has been this radical for a long time. You can go back to 2002 and find a Harvard professor talking about abolishing white people, getting rid of the white race. I want people yeah. to understand Harvard has been this level of radical because a lot of progressives come out and say, wait a minute, Harvard used to be really cool and really well respected, but now all of a sudden it's radical. No, 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 no. They've been this radical since at least the 60s. People are just finally noticing 
So I hope people loudly and clearly next time you, you tell your your next time you're thinking about telling your kids or your friends, hey, maybe you should think about applying to Harvard or something. Don't. Harvard is a hub of radicalism. They are breeding extremists, violent people. This is what they've been doing for decades. It's just that the wake-up process is happening right now. And it's catastrophic. People are seeing just how radical. So, I mean, abolishing white people, apologizing for genocide, this is really nasty stuff. But this is the cream of the crop when it comes to the world of academia. So let that sink in. And and Harvard and by the way, there should never be another dime of taxpayer money going mm-hmm. to uh, to Harvard. I, I saw a report today that Harvard has greater wealth than 120 nations. Wow, really? 120 nations. What in their endowment? Yep. I guess evidently. Wow. Yeah. And how I don't know how much of that comes from China. We know that the Bin Laden family. Uh, has uh, has has given money to Harvard over the Cutter years. maybe I don't know if Cutter's in there Cutter Cutter has as well so they are nothing but a communist Islamic terrorist breeding ground that's what that's what Harvard is quite frankly that's what most of our two minutes elite colleges are about that's what they are um I, I just saw something and that speaking of Islamic terror I, I guess a, a, a somebody from the Turkey parliament or was it the turkish president gave a speech today saying that um something about israel is gonna you know is gonna face the wrath of uh, of allah and then right after he gave the speech he collapsed um hmm. somebody was smited today but it wasn't israel <laughs> your thoughts sesame what uh well I, wow i mean yeah i guess you kind of reap what you sow don't you yeah. i mean you put that kind of nasty hatred energy in the world maybe it's just a a, a weird coincidence but if so how strange <laughs> <laughs> that Hey, I stand with Israel, okay? I stand with the chosen people. Yeah. That's where I stand, okay? <laughs> Make no mistake. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be smited. Um, all right, next hour's coming up. Tuesday means not just Taco Tuesday. It means quack in the whack. He's going to be here with his wacky laws as well as his news you can use. Uh, speaking of Islamic terrorists, though, we've got a shocking story that you brought to my attention today that we need people to know about, right? And it involves... A violent uh, game, right? A tech game. Don't you have a story for us next hour? Oh, I, I do. It's it's and there's some weird justifications of it, so I'd like to get into yeah. it. Yeah, so definitely you guys are gonna want to stick around for the next hour. So we will be back gonna take a tiny break. Hour two of the Andrew K show coming up. Stay with us.